Hi, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the Associate Pastor at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico, and I want to welcome you today to our podcast. I believe that this message is going to strengthen you and encourage your life. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Holy Spirit and listen to what He has for you today. Enjoy our podcast. Praise God. Praise God. You see, many years ago, I began to hear some things that just transformed my life. And uh, some principles of faith. And uh, it, was, it was some things that, having grown up in church, that, that I had never heard. And uh, a man by the name of Kenneth E. Hagan, many of you know uh, who Kenneth E. Hagan was, he's gone to be with the Lord number of years ago, but uh, he really began to open up the understanding of the body of Christ to some principles of faith. And one of the things that, that I have learned, uh, you know, and I, I, I came in to, um, was introduced to the Word of Faith teaching in the uh, about, I'm going to say about 1979, something like that, 78, 79, and uh, began to learn the principles of faith. And, uh, you know, since that time, I've learned a lot. And, uh, you know, I've, I've learned that, uh, you know, it, it seems like every time God takes you from one level of something to another and, and uh, begins to teach you some new revelation, the, the human tendency is to think that, uh, well, I've, I now have, this is the final piece of the puzzle. And I, I've learned, I've gotten the final revelation now my revelation in the things of God is complete and you know every time that I've ever thought that wasn't long before I began to figure out that uh, that was not the case um, does that mean that uh, that everything I learned was uh, was wrong no you see it works this way Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And so we, we build this, uh, we, we build the truth of God's Word into our lives, build the truth of God's Word into our hearts. And, you know, we don't, um, and I say it like this sometimes, that uh, there, there are times I would like to, to be able to just screw the top of your head off and dump it all in. And, uh, you know, dump in everything I've learned over the years and everything I've, I've uh, uh, found out. Just, just dump it all in there and then we would be done. Only problem is what I would dump in would be incomplete. So, uh, and the reason for that is, is I haven't learned it all yet. And so since I came into the Word of Faith, there are, are, there have been points in time that have, 
have, uh, that are markers in my walk with the Lord that I could point at and I could say this was a turning point, this was a change, this was a transformation, this was a, was a point in time when, when uh, I stepped from one level into the next level. And I don't know if some of you realize it or not, but for a number of years now, I've been endeavoring to take you from one level to another level. Anybody want to go to another level? Or are you just happy right where you're at? Just, just, just leave me alone. I've got enough, and we'll just settle in. You know, Jesus actually said this about, uh, uh, about new wine, and, and he said, being tasted the old wine immediately wants new wine, for they say the old is better, except that's not really what it says. When we study out the original language of that, it doesn't say the old is better. And not too long ago, I, I, some of you may remember me talking about this, that uh, I began to study out that passage, and I thought, you know, Lord, I don't drink wine, so is old wine really better? So I went on Google. I mean, you can learn everything on Google, right? Okay. You can learn some things on Google. Okay. But I went on Google, and I, I just put in a question. I, I typed in, why is old wine better? And you may be surprised at the answer that I got. And that was, old wine is not necessarily better. Now, this, is, this is Google saying this, okay. Old wine is not necessarily better. Um, old wine is smoother because the fermenting process has, has ended. It's, it's finished. And, but therefore, because of that, there is the power in old wine that there is in new wine. And so the... Really, I, as I begin to take that and, and meditate on that and then go to the Scriptures to see what the Scriptures had to say, really what Jesus said in that verse is he didn't say old wine is better. He said that when a person has tasted old wine, they don't immediately want new wine because they say the old is good enough. And that sheds a whole new light on, uh, on what Jesus was saying there. You see, we have this tendency to say, whatever I've had, well, that was pretty good. So why do I want more? Why do I want to move? You know, I'm happy at this level. Why do I want to go ahead and move on up to another level? Why do I want to step up to something else? Why do I want to put forth the effort to learn something and grow? And why, you know, because we get this mentality, what we've been walking in, what we've been experiencing, what we've, uh, what we've had going on in our life, my life is good, my life's comfortable. So, therefore, why do I want something else? I've just got to put forth effort to, to grow. I've got to put forth some effort to learn something. So why do I want to learn something else? And, and we get settled in, and 
you know, th this is why for the last several years I've been endeavoring to make, uh, you know, to bring you to a point of dissatisfaction. Not, not that you're unhappy with the Lord, but that you're not satisfied with the place you are. And the reason for that is because God has so much more for us than what we have experienced. And as long as we settle in and say what we've had is good enough, we won't do anything to move forward. And, you know, really, if, if you take, you, you could take a barrel, a 55-gallon drum, and fill it up with water and just let it sit there and sit there. And pretty soon, you know, after a while, the water in that barrel would start to stink because there is no movement, there is no flow, it's just sitting there. And many times in the church world, we're starting to stink the place up because there is no movement. There is, there is no progress, there is no desire to, to have an inflow of some fresh revelation. And I heard someone make a statement one time. They said, well, you know, uh, why do I need a new revelation when uh, I'm still trying to live up to the old revelation? Oh, come on now. Uh, why do I need a new revelation? I need a new revelation because I don't know it all. And there might be some things I could learn that would even help me to implement what I already know. Praise God. How many, how many know some things that you're not experiencing in your life? We all do. We know some things that are true according to God's Word that we're not experiencing in our life. We're not walking in the fullness of it. We're not walking in the, in, uh, because, and, and often it's because we have a certain level of the revelation, but there's something we need to get to go with that that will, that will cause it all to come together for us. Praise God. Sometimes, you know, we think, you know, and, and uh, this aspect of, of being a soul winner is, is part of that. We thought winning souls was elementary. But really, that, that's deep. That's deep. And so we, we said, well, we want to get into the deep things of the Word of God. Well, winning souls, that's, that's deep. I mean, that is, that's why you were left here. You know, I like what my pastor David Emi always said. He said, there is a difference in why God saved you and why he left you here on earth after he saved you. It's a difference. The reason he saved you was to have fellowship with you. The reason he left you here after he saved you, and he, he said it this way, was to seek and to save that which was lost. So those were Jesus' words. My meat is to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, and, and so our, our purpose and all of the things you learn, if they're not taking you towards, you know, uh, 
being effective of reaching souls, then what's it for? What's it for? What's the, what's the, what's the purpose of it? And, and I don't mean this the way it sounds, but I'm going to say it because it's, it, it makes the point very clear. Then if you're not going to win souls, then you might as well go on to heaven today. Now, I didn't, don't, don't misinterpret that. I'm not saying hope you die. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. And, and, and please don't take it that way. But, but, in, but really, if we're not going to do anything to reach souls, what are we doing? What are we doing? And, uh, you know, I want to talk today about a root of faith. And, uh, you know, I came into this word of faith, and I learned so much about faith, but I didn't stop. I didn't learn it all 35 years ago. I, I didn't learn it all 25 years ago. But I am continuing to learn the principles of faith. And how many know that some people say, well, faith, that's, that's the way of God. And then we've got this this teaching that has really come to, to prominence in the last several years, uh, last, last few years, I should say, of grace. Oh, well, God's not doing faith anymore. He's doing grace. No, no, no. We missed the point. I mean, if we're thinking that, well, God's not doing faith anymore. He's doing grace. How many know that grace and faith go together? Praise God. Grace and faith go together. Now, it dawned on me a while back that we have said things like, you know, I mean, so, so somebody is, is uh, um, maybe they're trying to receive their healing and they, they haven't, uh, or really, let me just, okay, my terminology here is not going to be right, but my terminology is what people are saying, okay? So, so don't, uh, don't misunderstand that. But people are trying to get God to heal them. And they are, and they're thinking is and, and we have you know those of us that that have been in word of faith circles have been guilty of saying things like well if you're not healed then you don't have enough faith anybody ever been had someone tell you that well you just don't have enough faith and i i i thought first of all uh you know, for years we tried to get more faith. Well, if I, if I don't have enough faith, then I just need to get more faith. Well, how do I get more faith? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So, yeah, I just got to read my Bible more. I got I to gotta pray more. I got to study more. And did, did you know that the devil will jump right on that and he will say, that's right, you need to read your Bible more? You thought, Oh, I thought the devil would never tell me to read my Bible more. Oh, he will. He will if you read it through the sunglasses he's issuing. You know, he's, he's issuing some, some special glasses for you to read your Bible through. And when you read your Bible and all you see in your Bible is, is everything that, that disqualifies you. 
Let me say that again. If you're reading your Bible and all you see in your Bible are your disqualifications, you're reading it through the devil's glasses. Because Jesus didn't come to disqualify you. He came to qualify you. Praise God. He came to qualify you. He has made you accepted in the beloved. He has made you qualified to be a partaker. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, many people don't want to read their Bible because when they open up the Bible, all they see is their disqualifications. And the devil will make sure to point those out to you and say, well, this is why you can't, but you're never going to. So therefore, you might as well just forget about it, you know. And if he can get you on the wrong track of, of looking at you. And see, this is the whole thing. The Bible says that when we look into a mirror, the Word of God, when we look into the Word of God as into a mirror, we behold or we see the glory of the Lord. So if I'm reading my Bible and all I see is my disqualifications, I'm not seeing the glory of the Lord. Because it is the glory of the Lord to qualify me. So if all I'm seeing is, is my disqualifications, I'm not seeing the glory of the Lord, but seeing the glory of the Lord is the thing that transforms me and changes me into that same glory. Praise God. So let me just say this. If you've been reading your Bible and all you can see is your disqualifications, let me urge you, start right now and start going back reading your Bible again. At this time, if you're seeing what disqualifies you, then you're looking at the wrong thing in the Word of God. Start looking at what Jesus did to qualify you. Praise God. And if you'll begin to observe and to, to, to gaze upon and to focus your attention upon the glory of the Lord you'll begin to see that he has qualified you. His blood was enough for you. His blood was enough to qualify you to walk in all of the goodness and all of the favor and all of the blessing of God. And you are not disqualified. You have been qualified by the blood of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I don't even know how to get back to my notes. Praise God. But we'll just keep going down this road. Praise God. Praise God. You see, you can get a revelation, a revelation of faith. And the devil can use that revelation to actually mess you up. Did I say faith is wrong? No, absolutely not. 
When you teach, when, when, when you teach and you understand and you hear faith the way the Bible presents faith, I mean, with an with a, with a understanding, you know, of, of the purpose of faith and this root of faith. And you, you grasp that and you get that. No, f- without faith it is impossible to please God. So you definitely need to have faith, right? Okay. But the same thing can be said for grace. You can get a little revelation about grace and start thinking, well, if I'm under grace, that means I can just live any way I want to. That means I can just be the devil on earth. You know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't matter at all because, after all, I'm under grace. See, you took the teaching of grace, you took the, the, the revelation of grace, and you didn't get the full revelation of it. Because there's a danger when you get part of something. Danger when you get part of a revelation. You need to press on in to get some more. Now, you're not going to get it all today. You're not going to get it all tomorrow. You're not going to get it all for, you know, until you get to heaven. Not going to get it all. But... You need to be growing and, and growing in the grace of God. Praise God. You see, I did an illustration one time. My congregation was, was, uh, was pretty small, and, and so it was pretty easy to do. But uh, I, uh, the illustration went something like this. And I, uh, I hid something in, in our building. And... Uh, I gave every person in the room a piece of the puzzle to find what was hidden. And uh, I don't remember what it was, a $20 bill or something like that anyway. But uh, everybody had a piece of that. And it consisted of stand up. And then somebody else had another piece of the information that said, turn to your right, take three steps, turn left. You know, e- each person had uh, a- another piece of this, but nobody had all of the information. So nobody found the money that was hidden. Then I said, okay, now everybody bring your pieces of this puzzle together. Let's put them all together. And um then let's follow them in order. I had them numbered. I said, let's follow them in order. And when when somebody uh had a volunteer that that they took all of these and they followed them in order and it led them right to where the money was hidden. Uh because they had all the information. Many people are walking around with half the information that they need because they're not being diligent to learn and to grow. I could take half a revelation of faith and be messed up. I could take half a revelation of grace and be messed up. I could take half a revelation, I mean, you name it, anything, and I could be messed up. But I need to be pressing in 
to learn and to grow. This is why it's important, you know, when, when I preach a series of messages, my series of messages is not just to have something to preach. My series of messages is designed to help you get to the next level. And so if you want to get to the next level, we can stay all day and I can teach you the whole thing. Anybody, that's option number one. Option number two is you can be consistent in attendance and be here over a period of time as I teach you these things. Who, who prefers option one? Nobody. Who prefers option two? Okay. The rest of you aren't interested in in. Am I right? Okay. I, I that the last few weeks I've been kind of tough on some things, but uh, you know I, I need you to understand. We're not going to sit here and go to sleep and zone out and not get the revelation that you need to get. It's my job to feed you, and I'm going to, you know. Well, you can't force feed us. Well, I'm sure going to try. That's probably true. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I can lead a horse to water, and I can try to make him drink. I might not succeed, but I'm sure going to try. Because I was told by the Lord, feed the flock of God. I mean, right out of the Bible, feed the flock of God. So I'm going to try my best to feed you. I can't make you eat, but I'm sure going to put it in front of you. Praise God. Praise God. And I'm just watching, I'm watching too many people that, you know, the, 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 they're not getting the things I want them to get. They're not, they're not enjoying the goodness of God. They're not enjoying what God intended for us to enjoy. And much of the reason is because they've, they, they're zoned out most of the time. Okay, let's bring it back in. It's time, uh, rebuke time is over. Okay, let's go back in to, and, and talk about these principles of faith. And let me, I, I always heard this coming up in, in Word of Faith circles. I always heard God responds to faith. And let's think about that statement for a minute. Is that really true? Does God respond to to faith. And, and, and we need to deal with this because this, this can be a, a game changer for you right here. If you get a hold of this principle, it, it can be a game changer. Does God respond to faith? All right, let, let's say if, if God wanted to do something, how would He do it? How would he do it? All right. Let's, let's go back and let's look at something God wanted to do. That, that, he, that he desperately wanted to do. And in order to find the answer to that, we have to go back to the book of Genesis, back to the very beginning, and find out what is one, the, the one thing that God desperately wanted to do. You see, 
God said to Adam and Eve that if you eat of the fruit of this tree, which I have commanded you not to eat of, he said, the day, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, how many think God was, was happy about that? God was not happy about Adam dying. God is life. He's not, he's not death. God is life. He was not happy. He didn't intend for Adam to die. And, and Adam, the name Adam is very significant because that name implies that he is the beginning. He is the, um, every one of us, we all go back to Adam. All of us go back to Adam. You know, we actually go back to Noah, but even before that, we all, Noah goes back to Adam. So, ultimately, every single one of us go back to Adam. We all came from the same place. And so, for Adam to die meant that he was the representative of the human race. So, therefore, because of Adam's sin, death passed to all the rest of us. So it wasn't just Adam that died the, the day that he ate of the fruit of the tree. But we all died in Adam. God, who is life, was not happy about that. And he was unwilling to just settle for that. He was totally unwilling to just let that be the case. And so God began immediately to put into, into action a plan which had been devised before the foundation of the world. So God already knew that day what he was going to do about it. He already had a plan in mind, revelation uh, chapter 13, verse number 8 says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So in the mind of God, Jesus is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So in the mind of God, he had already, God didn't have to think, what am I going to do about this? He didn't have to sit down and have a conference and come up with a plan. The plan was already in place what he was going to do about it. Jesus was the plan. He was going to, to nail Jesus to a cross. His blood was going to be shed, and his blood was going to be the remission of our sins. He was going to rise from the dead so that we could rise from the dead also. See, that was the plan of God from the foundation of the world. Praise God. Now, let me take just a, just a very brief sidetrack. I'm not going to spend much time here, but I, I, need to, I need to say this because some people, you know, they always want to know, okay, uh, well, if, if God knew 
that Adam was going to eat of that fruit, then why did he put that tree in the middle of the garden? Why did he he create that tree in the first place if God knew? All right, there's a very simple answer for that. He wanted you to be children, not robots. In other words, for you to be children, children means that you are in the same the, the same class of being, the same kind of being that he is. You are the same, you know, we see this reflected in the physical realm. You are the same kind of being that your father is. And so God wanted us to be children created in his image and in his likeness. And if he created you to be children, then you had to have the power of choice. How, how many know that the power to choose isn't very, it doesn't mean much if you don't have any choices? Right? Power of choice doesn't mean a thing if you don't have any choices. In, in, in essence, if you don't have any choices, you don't really have any power to choose. Choice, options, Create the power of choice. So he had to give you an option. Now he made it real simple. He only gave one bad choice, one possibility. The only possibility for a bad choice was to eat of the fruit of the tree that he said, Don't eat of. And the, the, the power, see, if you begin to think about it like that, you'll say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Father, that you put that tree in the middle of the garden. Because you could not have the relationship with God the Father that you have today. You could not have a father-son relationship with him if it hadn't been for that tree. So, Instead of being all upset and saying, well, you know, God was against us from the beginning or he wouldn't have put the tree in the garden. No, God was for you from the beginning. That's why he put the tree in the garden. Praise God. Praise God. And so uh, Jesus, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world in the mind of God, we've got to remember we're, we're talking about a God here who is in a timeless realm. And why I say that there will come a day when the Bible says that time will be no more. Time has to deal with, you know, the only reason time exists is because there is a beginning and an end to things. And, and there will come a time when there will no longer be a beginning and an end. It will be eternity as God knows eternity. And so time will be no more. He dwells in a timeless realm. God has no beginning and he has no end. Praise God. He's in a timeless realm. And so uh, time is a mechanism by which God can deal with us. So in the mind of God, Jesus 
was already slain before the foundation of the world which activated this mechanism called time. And so God who dwells outside of that, you know, and, and to really grasp this, this principle that I'm talking about, did, does God respond to faith? The simple answer is no. But I want you to understand why no. It is because God, who is outside of the realm of time, he dealt with what you are facing inside the realm of time. You're facing it today. But God, who is outside of time, dealt with it in Christ before time was ever activated. So, therefore, you say, well, if God doesn't respond to faith, then why do I want to have faith? Here's the thing. Faith is not what causes God to respond to us. It is your response to God. Faith is your response to God. You believe what he already did in Christ before the foundation of the world. Everything you will ever have need of in this life, everything, I mean absolutely no exception, everything you will ever have need of in this life was provided for you before the foundation of the world when Jesus, in the mind of God, was slain. Now, inside the realm of time, we find that Jesus actually was nailed to a cross 2,000 years ago. But in the mind of God, who is outside of time, it took place before, before the foundation of the world. In other words, Jesus has always been the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Praise God. Now, I, I know that's kind of mind-boggling. But when we begin to grasp that and we begin to realize that, we'll stop waiting on God to do something. Because he already did it. We'll start responding to what he already did. See, the Bible tells us that faith is Hebrews chapter 6 um, tells us that uh, no excuse me chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11 now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen faith is the response to what you can't see what God did in the realm of the spirit you can't see it but that doesn't make it less real in fact, it is more real than this physical realm. Now, why do I say more real? The reason I say more real is because that's where this physical realm came from. It came from a God who is in the realm of the Spirit. So, therefore, 
It is the things that exist in the realm of the Spirit and have always existed in the realm of the Spirit. God, 2,000 years ago, in, came inside the realm of time and put a, a reference point on it for us by nailing Jesus to a cross. And he nailed him to the cross, and in so doing, you know, see, the Bible says, he who comes to God must believe that he is. Is is not an action. Is is a state of being. He must believe that he is. This is what God is. This is his state of being. We must believe that he is. And that he is not an action. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Praise God. Praise God. In other words, faith is where I believe God is in Christ the payment for all my sins. I believe that he is in Christ healing for my body. I believe he is in Christ my healer. I believe he is in Christ my provider. It's a state of being. This is what he is. So I don't need to think, God, you know, I need you to do this because he already is this. And in his mind, Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. So therefore, this is why Romans tells us in the 10th chapter, it says, faith doesn't talk like this. Faith does not say, who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above? Why? He's already the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It, it does not say, faith does not say, who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead? In the mind of God, he was slain, he was raised from the dead, it was already done, it is established since, the big, since before the beginning of this mechanism called time. And so we spend so much time trying to get God to do something that he has already done, or should I say, already is. Praise God. Praise God. And he that comes to God must believe, there's faith, must believe that he is. Faith that is rooted in anything other than Christ, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, is not Bible faith. It's got to be rooted. That is the root of faith in Christ from the foundation of the world. 
Now, I know you're, you're really quiet this morning. I'm going to believe that's because you're just absorbing. Praise God. And we've got to get back to this, so you need to be here next week. Praise God. Because we're going to come back to this, and we're going to, we're going to find this root of faith, and we're going to find out how to get this thing working for you. Praise God. We're going to dig around in here until we get it. Praise God. Is that all right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father, I thank you today. Father, that you're bringing forth revelation by your spirit today. Father, I thank you that we are grasping and understanding some things because we have the mind of Christ. We have an unction from the Holy One. And we know all things. We are grasping. We are, we are connecting and grabbing a hold of this and, and, and understanding this. And, Father, I thank you that the Word is being sown. And, and, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are helping me to communicate this in such a way that a child can understand it. And Father, I, 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 I just thank you. I thank you for that today. Now, if you're here today or if you're watching online, you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. You see, because it's the most important decision you could ever make in your life is to receive Jesus as your Savior. You see, if we can with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead we will be saved and when you believe that and you accept that see what you're doing you're responding to what God did in Christ or what God is in Christ he is your salvation praise God and so Let me just make it real simple. We're just going to pray this prayer all together. And then if you're watching online, pray with us. Praise God. But if you pray this prayer and you mean this, you, you really believe this, and you, you, you mean it, if you just say the words and don't mean it, nothing will happen. But if you pray this prayer and you mean this, you believe this, the Bible says you will be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son praise God you will pass from death to life praise God and the day that Adam ate of the fruit of the tree that he was commanded not to eat of he passed from life to death but the day you believe on Jesus who hung on a tree you will pass from death unto life praise God so let's pray this together. May God in heaven, I'm so grateful today that you gave your son Jesus to bear my punishment for all of my sins. I thank you that he was nailed to the cross in my place. And that you then raised him up from the dead so I could have new life. And today I respond 
to what you did. And I receive Jesus. I confess him as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you for hanging on the cross in my place, for saving me. I want you to be my Lord. Teach me how to follow you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I'm going to ask you to do just a couple of things for me. First of all, if you would subscribe to our podcast, rate it, and review it, that would help us so much. And if you want to invest in Word of Life Church, you can do so by texting the numbers 84321 and searching Word of Life Church to get started. Or you can simply give from our app that you can download on the Apple App Store or on the Google Play Store. Just search Word of Life Carlsbad. Thank you so much once again, and remember that God is madly in love with you. Thank you.